Welcome to the fifth quarter, and this might be the toughest show of the season as the Seahawks got pounded by the Rams 42-7 today. Brock Heward joining us on the program tonight. And Brock, as a former player in the NFL, you've probably had some experiences in blowouts, but give me some thoughts on this thing today. Yeah, Paul, this is painful. I, I would have never imagined that this could happen today, frankly. and there, there was no scenario that I thought this would not be a fourth-quarter competitive game, uh, but the Rams out-hit, they out-kicked, they out-played. I mean, in every single phase, and there's not one player, usually in blowouts, and you've covered this a long time, well, there's a player, there's a phase of the game that played good, that they did their part. Not one. There's not one player, there's not one phase of the game for the Seahawks that are in that locker room feeling good about their efforts today. And on the other side, the Rams, I've never seen a team celebrate as much in this stadium. Taking pictures, hugging, loving, Eric Dickerson's hanging out with them on the sidelines. I mean, they own this thing from beginning to end. Did you notice that? I mean, I noticed that, too, as the game was uh, just winding down. Really rock with about 10 minutes to go in the game yeah. they're on the sideline they got their hats on their coats why not just relax a little bit they were they were really relaxed well, i mean there. they have just been beat down in this matchup right 11 of the last 12 in this building they have just been beaten up they are the team they're kind of like the seahawks of of old that hey we're young we're hungry we got swag we believe in what we're doing and we're going to come into your place and prove it and man did they ever in the 60 minutes of all oh, man 42 7 i have a lot of questions for you i'm sure fans would love to dial in and ask you a lot of questions of what happened out there well, Brock, we knew the Seahawks offense was going to really have to keep pace. As battered as the defense was, this offense was really going to have to try to trade blows with the Rams in this one to keep them in it. And they just couldn't. I mean, I mean, right from the beginning, that opening drive, it's a third and five. It was a beautifully designed play. Doug Baldwin attracted all the attention. Tanner McAvoy comes across, thrown on the money, and the Rams make the play. They put their helmet right on the football. The next possession, you come down, and Jimmy Graham's got an opportunity, right? Right up the seam, makes the play. Uh, but he doesn't make the play, and it's an incomplete pass. And then the number of times, Paul, I think the biggest story today, and I'm sure what Pete will talk about and what the team will, is when you're in negative situations and it's second and 12, it's second and 20, it's second and 25, you got no chance. No chance against the animals that the Rams have in their front four rushing the passer. And there were just way too many on a great sheet. They call it an NC. No chance to do anything on that one. There were way too many of those plays today. You, you talk about the Rams front four. Let's flip it to the Seahawks front four. Uh, they get to Jared Goff. I think they had two sacks in this yeah. game, but barely touched him. He had a lot of time back there. Um, you know, normally that front four with, with the injuries, and we'll talk about Wagner in a minute, but with the injuries to that defense, they were going to have to try to get some kind of pressure, and they just couldn't. No, and credit to the Rams. They, they made a concerted effort to get their best player involved early and throughout, and that was Todd Gurley. And he had not nearly enough touches in the first matchup. And they talked about that this week in, in reading kind of the coach's comments going into this one. They were not going to come in this building and Todd Gurley have less than 15 touches like he did in the first matchup. And instead he goes crazy, 180 yards from scrimmage. I mean, the stake in the heart before the end of the first half on the 57-yard gallop. And that's how you negate a front four, right? You run the ball. And Todd Gurley ran it when he wanted to. Uh, the Rams ran it on their schedule when they wanted to. And I think we've won a lot of games in this building, the Seahawks have, running the ball and playing elite defense. And that's exactly what L.A. did to Seattle the other way around. We were talking about Todd Gurley and the performance he had, over 140 yards rushing in the first half. Uh, how much of credit to this offensive line get for something like that? Yeah, I think a ton of it. I, I think they're playing. You know, Sean McVay gets a lot of credit, and I think rightfully so. And we all got to be witness to that today. Uh, he's their young offensive coordinator, whippersnapper that, you know, I talked to the Rams people before the game, their president, and they knew right away. When he walked in, he was one of ten guys interviewed, and they knew within the first five minutes, this has to be our guy. He's innovative. He's creative. 
and they do so much stuff offensively. You got a big receiver in Watkins, right? Can can go to him uh, whenever they want. You got two tight ends. We got Gurley. We'll mix tempo. We got Tavon Austin. Oh, we got Cooper Cup in the slot. I mean, they just have a variety of guys that they target and they put in really good positions. But to me, it starts and ends with Todd Gurley. When you've got that guy, and we've had him in this market for years, his name was Marshawn Lynch. When you have that guy that breaks tackles, he breaks people's will and, and their will to want to go up and tackle. And we haven't seen that much against the Seahawks crew, but minus five pro bowlers at the end, uh, I think you see that, yeah, this crew without those guys, those guys uh, didn't want to tackle and had a hard time bringing that horse down. Yeah, fundamentals, right. I mean, it does go back to a bit of their tackling as well. But you talk about Gurley. I mean, that last touchdown run before the first half ended, he was celebrating, I think, at the 15-yard line. Third he and started. 20. It's third and 20. <laughs> it's third and 20, right? And he just runs right through the heart of your uh. team and your defense. This is the second best, the secondary for the Seahawks. Now, a lot of this was with your pro bowlers. That's the second best tackling team in the league. 28 missed tackles on the entire season. Uh, he had that or close to that over the course of this game. Guys lunging, guys reaching, guys diving. Many of them backups, not in that position normally. And uh, that guy just, yeah, he was a difference for him today. Tip your cap. I hate to do yeah. that, but you better tip your cap because he was a monster. He was, he was. Uh, before we go to break, you talk about the offense, uh, the defense being beat up over there. And Bobby Wagner, uh, you know, he gets a gold star for trying on that hamstring. Yeah. He just wasn't himself out there. But he sure makes a difference. When he's healthy, he can really help shut down the run game. It was clear that he just wasn't there today. Yeah, you saw it still at times between the tackles. And that third down run where those two Brahma Bulls collided, you know, and he still stopped them. And then the fourth down interception, you're thinking, okay, 13 to nothing, kind of weather the early storm like you did against Atlanta, 14 nothing, and then it's a three and out, and then it's a bad punt, and then it's a punt return, and then they just continue to step on it. Man, it was, it was really, I don't know, troubling or trying. It was certainly unique to see a team that they were really just stepping on it the whole time, and they did not back down. They were not intimidated. And I guess when you're looking at a defense minus five pro bowlers, yeah, it gives yeah. you a little more confidence to play in that manner. Yeah, I hate to say it, but it's been a long time since we could say a Seahawks defense looked ordinary, but yeah. they certainly looked ordinary at best today. Brock, that was pretty cool, having the high school coaches out there raising the, the, the flag and uh, just give the props to the preps. Yeah, I would agree. Part of me, and this was fun for me. This is my first regular season broadcast. Not fun at 42-7, uh, but fun to feel the juice. And this place was energized. I mean, the, the 12s were ready to go today, and I got a little juice. I thought of my dad. My dad was a one-time state champion, and, and to see those coaches up there in all the communities, and they honored all of them at every level. Uh, this place was ready to go. This place was ready to help this team. Unfortunately, the team couldn't help themselves and to keep this crowd in the game. Yeah, I, that part of it is pretty cool for sure. Let's turn our attention to the Seahawks offense not being able to help themselves. Um, you know, Doug Baldwin had one catch today, which is very unusual. But, yeah. boy, you look down the line, receivers, uh, running backs, even Russell Wilson when he threw the ball backwards and they lost 23 yards on the one play. It was like, yeah. what is happening out there? And What would you put your finger on if you see the biggest struggle? Yeah, I think there's two things. And you'll hear this said all the time between coaches and analysts, and you got to stay on schedule. And we got to stay on schedule. You got your script. We got to stay on the script. And if we're long here or we're short here or things just go haywire, and against that group in particular, if you get backed up and you're looking at second and third and extra long, it's just going to be a long day. Secondly, it also is pretty simple. It's pretty simple math. When their four beat your five consistently, there's nowhere to go. And, and that was in many, t especially in the first half. Geez, their four guys are just in the face and there's nowhere. You know, the Houdini himself finally didn't escape. He could not find a lane anywhere on that D-line. Those four guys, Aaron Donald, Robert Quinn, those guys have been 
just mismatches through the years. And today, with a lead in, in those long yardage situations, man, they, were, they weren't even playing the run. I mean, it was screaming as fast as they could downhill. That's no fun for an O-lineman. It's no fun for a quarterback and no fun for an offense. It couldn't find any efficiency. And it gets worse because if you can't run and, and now you're down 20 nothing and 24 or whatever it was, it's like that defense, yep. and they can just pin their ears back and go. They know exactly what you have to do. Yeah, and the Rams love to play. Wade Phillips is a guy that loves to be aggressive. He didn't even have to be that aggressive today. I mean, they played those two ends, if you were to watch it, and Quinn and the other end are so wide, and they are just coming and they're just screaming. In and you can do that because Aaron Donald inside, you can't block him. And it really didn't matter who it was going up and down that line. And then he was squared. Oh, you want to escape Russell? Well, I'm gonna be right on you there too. As I mean, they have just been a matchup challenge for this team anyway. And uh, when you fell behind today, as you said, it made it doubly difficult. Brock, I want to pick this up with something Michael Wilhite talked talked about. This team being flat coming into a game like this, a division rival for first place in the NFC West. And it's really hard to fathom. These guys can't come out fired up. No Cliff, no Cam, no Sherman, no KJ, a Bobby that didn't practice all week. I mean, is it really? Because those five Pro Bowlers right there have been the guys that provide the juice in the leadership so much in these years that, I mean, I hate to use that excuse and that explanation, and Coach will not do it, but that's a reality. You know, when I was on good teams and I was in India and it was Peyton and it was Edger and it was Marvin, those guys set the tone. And if they were out, it's really hard for that next guy who has never done it. Terrence Garvin's never done it. Will Lloyd hasn't done it as a Seahawk, right? Shaq hasn't done it yet as a Seahawk on this stage in those moments. So maybe we shouldn't be terribly surprised. You unplug all those energizers and all that experience, and it's pretty difficult, especially on that defensive side, to bring it. Now, offensively, there's no excuse for it. Special teams, they were hammered because of those defensive injuries. They were hammered in the same way. But, yeah, they better bring it over the final 120 minutes because they play with a lack of energy in Dallas. They'll have no chance. Yeah, I remember the last time around, they forced five turnovers against the Rams. They had a lot of those guys back in the lineup. But, again, much different story this time around. All right. Brock, let's wrap this thing up here. Uh, some final thoughts, a 42-7 loss here. This is a team that uh, its worst ever loss, by the way, was to the Cowboys back in 1980, 51-7. That's who they face next week. But let's talk a little yeah. bit about your final thoughts on this one. Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think seeing both of those players over the course of the show today, and you could feel it. You could feel Luke Wilson just, I got, I got nothing for you. I got no words for you. You could hear Will Hoyt, and defensively in special teams, if you don't have the juice against such a young and hungry team, you can be embarrassed. And that was embarrassing. I guess that's the second thing. Tomorrow, tell the truth Monday, that is the biggest slice of humble pie that these guys will have ever eaten. They, they haven't had to taste any of this. Russell has never, ever been beaten like this, ever, in his tenure here in Seattle. And uh, they're going to have to swallow it. They're going to have to swallow hard. And they're going to have to make sure that they correct all of that nonsense and get it right next Sunday in Dallas. And let's talk about that Cowboys game for just a minute. Ezekiel Elliott comes back for the Cowboys after his suspension. Uh, he had already said that he's going to rush for 200 yards in that game. Uh, who knows what he's going to do because we know this team has a little problem against the run. But yeah. what do you see in this game? Yeah, they're going to run left. Yeah, they're going to run right behind their all-pro left tackle who's gotten healthier, and they're going to just kind of pound the ball. And they're going to play pass, and they're going to try to control the game at the line of scrimmage. And if the Seahawks play one-dimensionally, and if they fall behind in Dallas, it's going to be really hard. Now, we'll see. KJ, I think, was close to today uh, through his concussion protocol. Let's hope he can find a way back. I mean, Bobby, is he going to do it again? Is he going to just continue to show that warrior spirit to be there and be available? And can he be healthier than he was in this one? I mean, those will be the two key components. But you know what's coming. They don't apologize in the NFL. 
You know, they, they will, they, no one will ever feel bad for all of your injuries, and especially not when you've been on top as long as you have. So it'll be incumbent upon the rest of the guys to make sure they don't fall behind. You fall behind, you fall into big trouble as they did today. Well, we know the 12s are just grasping to faint playoff hopes, which will still be alive next weekend in Dallas. But, wow, what a monumental task for this team moving forward with two games left. For Brock Hewitt, I'm Paul Sylvie, Chris Egan in the studio. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week in Dallas.